Welcome into Spread the Floor, the world's first and only NBA podcast, probably. I am your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by the Dino Raja to my D Brown, the Lafonso Ellis to my, my Mahmoud Abdul Raouf. It's my co-host, Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, man? How's it going, man? Big Dino fan. I also like D Brown, though, so... <laughs> Are you, talking about, are you talking about '90s D Brown or 2000s D Brown? Because that's kind yeah. of a difference. So yeah, no, no, we're talking. I think 2000s D Brown is what you're going through now as an adult, <laughs> and then '90s D Brown was how you felt as a kid, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess just, you could be either one. So yeah, all you yeah. needed to do was pump up your shoes, and then you too could do an <laughs> awesome slam dunk that would win a slam dunk contest. Just need the pumps, man. Do you ever have pumps? Oh yeah, I think I had the Shack ones actually. Oh, that's hot. Nice. I'm pretty sure that's like. Like my, I, I grew up in a household that I wouldn't call me myself poor, but mm-hmm. my parents were rightfully smart about we weren't going to spend a buku amount of money on things like video games and shoes that you know are that don't last. And so, shoes were always something that I like either shoes and video games were something I, I was like that's what I saved everything for. But I always got one pair of like basketball shoes like for basketball season in mm-hmm. the I think that year the Shaq's pumps came out, I was actually on the magic. And so I was like, dad, oh, I have nice. to have Shaq's shoes. Nice. And so I had the Shaq shoes that like had the little, like, I don't know how, what, like the little black and white, you know, uh, hypnotizing circle thing. So, mm-hmm. and, and it mm-hmm. was, I mean, they were so great. I, I, I loved those shoes. <laughs> so Man. yeah, but that pump did Jack squat. Though. <laughs> no, I saw a thing from, uh, the guy who, one of the people who was on the design team for, for that shoe, for the pump, recently, this is a total weird aside, and he straight up said, oh, yeah, that did absolutely nothing. It was just a, it was just a marketing gimmick. That's it. It didn't even so. tighten the shoe. Like, no. Like, no, you know, like was... now, like you think about it, you're like, you know what? Actually, it'd be kind of nice to, you know, tighten the shoe around my ankles or something. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that actually, like, okay, that makes sense because if you, you need better support, you know, after I get the shoe on, but... It didn't even do that. Like, I, I vividly remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is working, but it wasn't. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. I had Maybe, pump, maybe I was it was just a confidence thing, kind of like the, the yeah. Michael Secret Juice and Space Jam, you know, that totally. kind of thing. No, 100%. 100%. I was in the same boat. My parents, we didn't spend money on, on frivolous things, such as shoes. Um, I may have said this on the show before. I'm sorry if I, if I did. We have eight listeners, so one of them can let me know. Um, but one year I made a deal with my parents that if they would, they would buy me one good pair of shoes. Um, and there was like a cap on how much that would be. I think it was like 40 bucks or something. Um, if they would buy me one brand name pair of shoes and not, not a pay less pair, I would wear it for a full year and prove that they were better than the pay less shoes. And, uh, and that's what I got was Reebok pumps well after they were cool, like way farther down the line than, than they were cool. I'm sure we got them at Ross or something like that. But I did, man. I wore them for a full year, and then after that, I had, had no more fights about, uh, about shoes. Um, we're not here to talk about shoes, though. Maybe another time. I know you always would be thrilled to talk about shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried my luck, by the way, to get those, those uh, P.J. Tucker, Kobe, P.E.s. Oh, I did too. I didn't get through. <laughs> on the dumb sneaker app. I, I hate that. I hate that so much. It's, it's been so... It's like it made it so impossible to get shoes now without paying yes. way out. Yes. What but I also kind of love that too. It makes me... Like if I ever do get a pair of shoes, I'll be like, yeah, I got some. <laughs> so I got I think it would be... To me, it's like 
do like variants like that are really cool. That's a cool idea that like, oh, you can get the PJ Tucker one. Sweet. Awesome. Because we love the shoe gut or the, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the colorway is, it's cool. But like, but also sell those shoes normal so that mm-hmm. I can wear those shoes. Because I, right. there's no greater, there has never been a basketball shoe that's better than the Kobe 5. At least just let it be available for like, yes. you know, hey, this is going to be yes. on sale for three months. And after that, do, we're never going to do sure. it again. You know, do that kind pre-orders, of thing. man. Do or something. Too, let yeah. me, let me, wear, I want, I I want to stop wearing these Kyries that I don't really love. I want the, I want the Kobe Five in my life, and I just well, just my last shoe aside, I will say I I got every once in a while, like once every couple of weeks, I get on Goat or Nike, and I kind of like peruse mm-hmm. as 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 one would, you know. And I looked up Kobe Fives today because we've been talking about them a lot, and there yeah. was not one on Goat in my size for under $300. So I'm surprised it's that low to be honest. Well, the, uh, the, and that was like the yeah. bad ones. Like the yeah. ones that everybody wants are like in the 800 to a thousand range. And so, I mean, it's that, that shoe is probably going to be an unattainable for me from now on. So, so frustrating. <laughs> I'm about to buy the honest, uh, what it's, I can't the freak too, man. That's a good yeah. shoe. I dig it's that. Shoe. It looks really good. I've got the Kyrie. I bought Kyrie's right before the pandemic started the Kyrie, uh, low. Cause I always wear lows and it, it, it's fine. Like it's good. It's fine, but it's not quite what I, what I need them to be. So if you're a, anyway. if you are a Nike member, you get you have exclusive access to do the customizable Zoom Freak twos right now. Like you mm. can do the Nike ID on those, and so I may it's, I may get on your Nike membership. Thing I will. And, yeah, uh, I, and I might get a pair too. So don't. I hope, <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. Okay. She, um, they don't ever listen to basketball yeah. shows. We're we're in the we're in the clear. Um, okay, let's. We have so much to talk about because basketball never stops, except it's going to stop in two weeks, dude. And I'm I know, very it's so sad. sad. Tonight, right now, I will tell you. This is full of asides. This feels like a Mad About Movies episode, not a Spread the Floor episode. I apologize. I always have a game on in the background uh, while we're recording, and uh, right now I am watching a replay of Saints Packers from earlier this weekend i guess i don't really even watch that much football but it is there so i'm watching it because baseball couldn't even figure out how to have their playoffs on in prime time which is just class absolutely amazing just absolutely amazing what a stupid sport uh but that's that's where we're at and when it's just a this is a prep for for two weeks from now when we will it feels like the beginning of quarantine like when we were watching 1990s nba classic games yeah so i'm gonna have to figure out how to not know the scores of all of the EPL games so that I can watch them during the week and like, oh, wow, that's a quite a surprise uh, to see Brighton pull it off or whatever. Okay, let's move on. We are going to be talking about Lakers Nuggets. We will be talking about uh, Heat Celtics. We will be previewing the finals. And uh, we might also throw in a, a, quick, uh, a quick aside on a, a potential trade target for our beloved Dallas Mavericks. But Tobin... Let's start off with the with the confounding stuff. I told you off the air that I've, I was in a pretty bad mood today, and you said, "Well, the best way to get over a bad mood is to trash the Clippers." So let's do I know, that. I know you. You're my boo. I got you. So <laughs> <laughs> yesterday afternoon, the uh, I believe it was Woj, as always, dropped the tweet uh, alerting us to the fact that Doc Rivers and the Los Angeles Clippers had agreed to a mutual parting of ways that Doc will no longer be the head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. Immediate reactions from you, Tobin. 
First and foremost, we got to appreciate that the NBA has moved their breaking news cycle to the day before we record because it oh, used yeah, to be really like the day that. after. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the third week in a row we've had something <laughs> big happen either right before we went on air or the day before. Uh, you know, I was actually – I went to play afternoon golf with my dad yesterday, and I got on hole number – I think it was two, and, your, and my phone just lit up. And I was like, <laughs> what is happening? And it was, you know, you and our buddy Ariel and Richard and – Twitter and you know even our buddy Matt who doesn't even really watch basketball was in on this and so that that's a pretty good gauge of how big this was and my first reaction you know to you I think was was man who who pushed for that because like that mm. was my first reaction was what player or more specifically what assistant coach is making this happen and so that that was my first reaction like I, I think I've you know I've heard more I'm sure you're about to touch on I've heard more stuff come out since then that's kind of maybe leaned it one way more than the other, but I I just don't, you know, like I know that doc has his issues and I know that he's not really necessarily a great in game adjuster or in series adjuster, but it's, you know, we talked earlier this, this, you know, off season or season about like how there are certain coaches that normally probably would be fired, but because of the situation we're in with the civil rights stuff and with the COVID and all that, you know, and all just being at the weird off season, how we think that some people are going to get passed. And if, if anybody was, would fall under that umbrella at most, it would probably be doc rivers considering all the great things he has done and said in, he kind of was like our civil rights champion for the NBA for a little bit too. And, and from what I remember is that he kind of was the reason why we were able to keep playing basketball too. You know, mm-hmm. after they took their um, their little strike, or not the reason, but a reason. You know, like he he went in there and and spoke for for and with some of the players, and so it's it's very puzzling. So I I don't know, like I, I still don't really fully understand it. Yeah, it's just it's kind of weird how this all played out because <clears throat> there was a lot of noise the day after the Clippers, you know, bombed out against the Nuggets that from some people saying, oh yeah, they're gonna they should fire doc or whatever. And I, and then it dissipated. And then now we're like, I think 13 days away from, from when that series ended. And then that's the day that we're going to announce that he's out of here. Um, I guess on the one hand you can say, well, it's not a knee jerk reaction. So that's good. But, but mm-hmm. on the other, you have to really think and, and wonder about uh, the, the behind the scenes stuff that has taken place over the last two weeks and the way that that is all transpired. Cause Look, you're you're exactly right. We we know how this works. This is a players' league. Um, that's said so often that it's just a it's a brutal cliche at this point, you know. But it's very true. It's a players' league, and if if Kawhi wanted Doc Rivers to be the coach of the Clippers, then Doc Rivers would still be the coach of the Clippers. Mm-hmm. And so you know, the speculation on our part and on everyone's part, really, of like, okay, well, who's the who's the the guy pushing him out the door? Who you know? Um, who's got blood on their hands or, or whatever. Um, that's, you know, that's going to happen because this is, this is the way that this league works now. And it's the way that, that, uh, that the, the, the players are able to wield their power and manage the league. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't, I thought doc did a, was a, was a pretty, did a, a very poor job of coaching that team in the playoffs this year. Um, I'm not sure how great of a job he did through the course of the season. You know, but I'll push back on that a little bit in the sense that 
I guess if you want to call into his coaching, it, it depends on how much you want to take into consideration the the X factors of Lou Williams bailing and, you know, not that he could control Montrez Harrell, but losing Montrez Harrell and then Paul George just disappearing, you know, like, the, like in Patrick Beverly being hurt slash crazy, you know, like it's just like yeah. how much of that is, is under his control, I guess yeah. is my question, you know, cause sure. like, I don't sure. know, I don't know any coach that can, can control some of that stuff on top of the fact that this is just a crazy environment in general, you know? Mm-hmm. And so sure. anyway, I interrupted you. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I think it's fair. I, 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 I do not think that they were that they had the greatest circumstances under which to operate. Obviously, with uh, the bubble and COVID, and I mean they had I think six players that that left the bubble or a lot arrived late uh, because of COVID or other issues that that took place. Um, and that's something that that really needs to be considered. I I mean just from an X's and O's standpoint, I thought he, I thought he was he was by far the worst of, of the two coaches when he was up against Mike Malone. I thought, I thought my, mm-hmm. Michael Malone uh, coached circles around him, and that's on him. I mean, there's no question about that. Now, there are tons of other things that I don't know that I'm going to lay at Doc's feet, uh, part of, you know, including, number one, the fact that, that Paul George was, was uh, borderline completely useless for probably four or five games out of their 13 games in the playoffs, and... Not much better for about say, maybe I would three say or four. More, I'd say more than four or five, but that's yeah. Me being I think that's fair. I mean, he was he was very bad, and did not seem super concerned that he was he was very bad. Um, I think the Harrell thing is a big factor because they were the Clippers were significantly worse with Harrell on the floor mm-hmm. than with Zubac on the floor. And man, he. And, he played himself out of a contract too, but and that's the thing is, did, yeah. is that yeah. if you're Doc, that's something that you have to realize too. Mm-hmm. The one thing I have noticed, not noticed, the one thing I have read from some of Clippers camp and some of, like some of like their beat writers and stuff is that apparently Steve Ballmer is saying that this was a Ballmer decision. Yeah. Now, yeah. so here's my question: is is this really a Ballmer decision, or is he trying to take heat off his players, or? You know, because if it really is a bomber decision, I, I have to wonder if, like, did they come back from the... Because, correct your you know, refresh memory, was Ballmer at the bubble? Yes. Okay. So I didn't think he was, or if he was, he was there occasionally. But, like, I have to wonder if they actually came back to L.A. and, you know, were able to actually meet for the first time. And that's why it took so long for this to happen. Because, you know, again, we're in uncharted territory. But, right. like, I, I feel like I, I can't decide if this is Ballmer being a little bit unpredictable or if this is, or if bombers trying to protect whatever multi-million dollar player mm-hmm. went in mm-hmm. there for this. I think there's definitely some of that. I, I, I don't know that Kawhi went into Balmer's office and said, it's him or me, you know, get him out of here. Uh, or if it was more of a, Hey Kawhi, I'm, I'm thinking about making a change at coach at coaching. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? And, you know, Kawhi's response is, you know, nothing because Kawhi doesn't mm-hmm. <laughs> emote or uh, reply to, cer- to certain things. Um, but I definitely think here's, here's where it really comes down to. They, they put this team together based on superstars. And, and we talked about this when we did Clippers funeral a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the team, the, fran- the franchise gave up a lot 
to get Kawhi and Paul George, and they acquiesced to every demand that that Kawhi had, whether it were, they were very uh, quiet demands or or very firm. I, it doesn't really matter. I we know from having watched this season that load management was a huge part of the thing for for Kawhi wherever he was going to go. That he was going to that was going to be part of the deal. Like I'm coming to your team and you are going to play me the number of games that I want to play. And when I feel like playing, um, you're going to go get me Paul George. They traded a ton to get Paul George on that roster. And by the way, still would do it because it's a, it's a package deal. We knew that from the get go. You're, you're not just trading all those first round picks for Paul George. You're trading them for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, it's, it's all well and good. I, the Athletic had a great article. I think I, I think it was Sam Am- Amick, but I, I could be wrong in that. Uh, I don't want to miss miss source that, but um, but talked about how much uh, how Doc struggled to bring together the two the two groups that were on this team the the team last year that were kind of plucky overachievers Pat Bev and Lou Will and Montrez Harrell, and then adding. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George to that and the expectations that came with it that there was real disconnect between those two sides and when we watch him play in the bubble that was very evident we I mean we this is not new ground whatsoever we knew we knew there was no chemistry on that team I'm not sure prior to the playoffs beginning and watching the plays of how how little joy I'm not sure I knew how little joy there was on that team and how how much they seemingly did not enjoy playing together, um, which mm-hmm. goes be- to me at least goes beyond just a lack of chemistry. Uh, I think there was more more going on there than than uh, even than even we we maybe speculated on previously. Seeing how this has ended now, yeah. So I agree with all that, and I and I just I don't really know. Like I feel like this is going to be. A downfall for the Clippers like I, I just don't I don't see if anybody out there that you can go get that can take this team and be better than he was necessarily unless there's somebody out there that I don't know about yet or you know they go find the next Eric Spolstra or whatever like um where do you think that the Clippers go and where do you think that Doc ends up landing I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you that because I have a couple answers but I want to hear what you say <sighs> I think the Clippers is going to come down to we we've the three names that we've seen. I mean, as soon as this happened, I said, "Well, that's Ty Lue, obviously," um, because I Ty Lue I think was going to have a pick of, and he may still have. Not necessarily you can go anywhere you want, but I think he was going to have several choices mm-hmm. of where to go, and that maybe a part of the genesis of it was is Balmer saying, "I I want Ty Lue. I want to keep him on staff," and so if I've got to choose between the two, I guess you know what I mean. Maybe that was maybe that was part of the thing. So. I'm a little surprised that they haven't already announced that. Uh, the other two names that, that we have seen associated with this are, uh, are, are, are Mike D'Antoni, which could be interesting. Um, I, I mean, there's a lot of things in Mike D'Antoni's philosophies that don't go with the Clippers roster and don't go with Kawhi. Um, but it could be really interesting to see what he could do or what he would do. I don't even know if it would work, but it would be interesting to see how it would play out, um, putting him in that situation. And the other name is Jeff Van Gundy. And I, you know, I, I go back and forth on Van Gundy, man. I, I, I really liked him when he was the coach of the Knicks. I mostly liked him when he was the coach of the Rockets. 
I think he is a good coach. I don't know if he is a modern coach. I think he is perfectly suited to coach the not dream team Olympic mm-hmm. teams that we run out uh, now mm-hmm. these days, and maybe will forever run out from now on. I, I don't know. Um, I think he's really good at that. I'm not so. It's not the same as Mark Jackson, where listening to Mark Jackson call a game gives me all the evidence that I possibly need that he has no business being a coach in the current NBA. Mm-hmm. It's not the same, but there are still things that pop up with Van Gundy that I'm like. If this is a bit okay, I guess it's not a great bit, but all right. But but if he really thinks this way, I don't know that I can trust him coaching my team. And so, yeah, it's a tough. I I don't know, man. It's 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 a real, it's a real weird one for me. For Doc, and then I'll turn it to you because I know you have some some thoughts on on both of these. I mean, immediately Sixers and and Hornets perked up and said, "Oh yeah, we're super interested." Um, Having just come from a situation where one of the problems for him ultimately probably is what led to him being let go is uh, not not managing the egos and 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 accordingly bringing the team together um, with the Clippers. I'm not sure that that Philly is going to be the the best fit for him mm-hmm. if that's still the struggle. Although I think up to this point he has that's always been one of the, his strengths is is managing KG and Paul Pierce and, and Ray Allen and all those guys, and then managing Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, who we now know did not like each other. And so, um, and I mean, yeah, they didn't, they didn't win a championship, but he kind of kept the – so I don't know. I would – I think the Hornets would be very interesting for him. You mean the Hornets I'm, or the Pelicans? I'm sorry, Pelicans. Okay, I, I was Hornets. like, wait a minute. <laughs> my bad. Um, but I guess that will never change in my brain. Um, and then the Rockets are the other one that kind of maybe – that's my worst nightmare. Me. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. I don't know. What do you think on those two? I, you know, I think – I don't know where the Clippers are going to go with the coach. I, I, I would assume that Ty Lue would be the easy choice for them, but he also still met with the Sixers today, and I think that if the Sixers offered him the job, he might end up taking it, um, yeah. at least by all, you know, Twitter accounts. Um, I guess my question to the Clippers more is how do you expect to – be better coming out of this, you know, even with Ty Lue. Because, I mean, Ty Lue was there, so that helps, I guess. But, like, I don't necessarily think Jeff Game. I think Jeff, I have more respect for Jeff Van Gundy as a coach than, like, say, Mark Jackson and other people because he actually won in a different – but the, it was. you're right. It was so long ago. Is is that going to be transferable? But I, I guess what I mean is I'm not going to necessarily write him off until I see it directly because, I mean, he's been, you know – He's been put into coaching, you know, circles and carousels like really every year since he stopped coaching, like Mm -hmm, 20 something years ago. So there's got to be something out there that still makes people believe he can do it. So I'm not going to write him off, but I don't think that the Clippers are the right fit for that because that's like if you're talking about a guy who coached the 90s Knicks, you know, a team that was the opposite of the 2020 Clippers. You know, I just don't I don't know how well that'll go. Um, I I, th- I think with the Clippers, I'm more concerned that this is going to bottom out and they're going to lose all these guys after next. Is it next year that they're they yeah, can read? Yeah. yeah. Kawhi that's, and Paul George both. Can that's my thing is like year. if you don't hire the r- the right person right now, you could lose this whole thing next mm-hmm. next offseason. Sure. And that is why I'm that's the biggest shock about all this to me. Um, as for Doc Rivers, I don't th- I think New Orleans is the one place I would like to see him go. 
I think he doesn't go anywhere. I think he stays out. I think he's too good, and I think he's got too much publicity right now to be a good, like, I don't know, studio analyst or or some guy. I don't know where he would go, like, because I mean, it seems like everything's getting full, and, like, TNT never lets go of guys. They just add a chair, you know? And so sure. um, I, I think that he would be a fantastic person to, like, go on the jump with Rachel Nichols or something like that, you know? Oh, yeah. We and would so, win historically if if from from a fan standpoint yeah if you if you took reggie or chris weber or mark jackson uh, we'll stick with those three for for the moment but i mean there's there's others that fall into that code category if you took any of them out of the chair and subbed in doc rivers instead oh my gosh the viewing experience gets so much better just just immediately having him in there well and i guess my point is is that i i think that he has the luxury of kind of sitting back and waiting for the right job to come open. And, and I'm not really sure there is the right job right now, unless he feels like he wants to take, take on Zion. Um, yeah. I, I said this to you off the air, but I kind of want to put it on the air and put it out there. Cause I, I'd love to see this happen, but I would love to see the NBA come in and say, Hey doc, we love what you said, you know, about c- civil rights stuff and in social injustices. Of, we want you to come on to the NBA as like a social justice, civil rights, you know, advocate, and then kind of like be a person that speaks for the league and those things. Like that would be fantastic. And I would love to see yeah. that. Like if, yeah. like if Adam Silver did that, I, it would be, it would be amazing for the league and be amazing for the players. Um, mm-hmm. now I, I, obviously I have no idea if that's even a thing or could, could be a thing, yeah. but man, if that, I, I just want to put that out there. I, I would love to see that. Cause like he's too good of a person and too good of a, like just a good, you know, voice to not be at least coaching or somewhere. So mm-hmm. hopefully he gets, he lands somewhere where we can still have all that. Yeah. I think that's what's the, sh- the most shocking thing about this. And I said this when we talked about this two weeks ago was that, yeah, I don't think he did a great job coaching in the playoffs and maybe through the course of the season, but he's too important to the culture of the team and to the culture of the league to to fight to let him go, to fire him one season into this, especially given all the the weirdness of of the season. I I mean, culture standpoint I mean, I'll be honest, like there's probably not five voices in the world that I look to more when something happens on the social justice front than Doc Rivers. Like mm-hmm. I, 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 I respect that man so much. And I, I think there's so much value in what, what he brings to the table on that front. Um, that it's just, it's still, wow. I don't know, man. It's still shocking to me that this is, this is how it, how it ended up now. In fa- you know, we don't know ex- all of what happened um, and it may be, I mean, you know, the fact that they usually when, when it gets termed a mutual agreement to part ways, we know that's bull. This yeah, could, that's be, a, see, we, this we is, respect you, but we, we don't want to, we don't want to exactly. look bad when you go out basically. Exactly. Um, I mean, so this feels like one of the few where you could potentially say they walked into an office together and Balmer sees it this way and, and, uh, and river sees it this way. And they said, you know what? This ain't going to work. We're not, we're not doing this again, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I, what I worry about, not worry. The Clippers are going to enter next season as probably the favorites to win the championship. If not the favorites, then they're going to be one of the top three to win the title because this is a ridiculously good roster. And I imagine they're going to add to it They're I don't know what it's going to be, or how they're going to do it, but but 
Everything that I've heard or read seems to suggest that this is the first step, that there's going to be other moves that come that are going to make that team uh, better. And I just, I've already heard the comparison on Doc and whoever replaces him, let's say Ty Lue. Uh, I've already heard the comparison to, to Dwayne Casey and, and Nick Nurse. And I just, I'm preemptively grumpy about that. I think that's a that's an oversimplification based on potential result. Dwayne Casey is not nearly the coach that that uh, the Doc Rivers is. Number mm-hmm. one and number two, the Raptors had no choice but to make that decision. They had to clear house. And number three, <laughs> this always gets glossed over, and it's the stupidest thing of all time to me um, when you when you get into this kind of discussion. For whatever, because Nick Nurse is a great coach, it always kind of gets glossed over that they brought in Kawhi Leonard. Like mm-hmm. that's the they, It wasn't just man they changed the head coach and they won the title, right? They changed the head coach and then they traded Demar Derozan, one of the least efficient basketball players in the world for 2020, you know, or for 2019 style of basketball, and brought in one of the three best players in the world in his place. That's the move. It's not just that they got an improvement at coaching. They also had a massive talent upgrade. So short of, you know, short of the Clippers trading Paul George for Kevin Durant or something, then like these two things are not similar. And I've already, already seen that, that, that making the rounds. I don't know. You have to guess right now. Probably, but I would get. I would have. I would assume by next week's episode, we'll we'll know who the coach is. Who who do you think it ends up being for the Clips? I think that whoever gets to, um, I think whoever gets Ty Lue, D'Antoni goes the other way. So like, if the Clips get Ty Lue, I think D'Antoni goes to Philly and vice versa. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of where my my head is landing right now. Because here's here's the other thing. I haven't heard Doc Rivers' name mentioned for Philly because it might be too late because they might be too far in the game. But also, that's the kind of splash that they probably need to keep their fan base from rioting. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see his name, you know, pop up in Philly as well. And then that changes the Ty Lue stuff as well for the Clippers. So Sure, sure. All right, well... R.I.P. Doc Rivers' career in in uh, in Los Angeles. I I I'd really like to see what he could do with uh, with that that New Orleans gig. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see where he ends up. I I I think there's there's three really interesting spots for him, and and uh, I don't know. I but I'm with you too. I I wouldn't hate at all if he if he took a year and became the uh, the league director of culture or you know hopped on TNT or, mm-hmm. or ESP, uh, the broadcast or something that'd be that'd be fantastic I'd, I'd I'd be he was always very good at that um, prior to his coaching days and then I think he did it for a year or two between Orlando and and Boston so um, I'd love to have that back if uh, if he wants to go that route but at 58 I kind of imagine I don't know I couldn't see him taking I could not see him doing a Jeff Van Gundy and taking no, a, no. a decade break maybe a year. Um, if he really wants to settle in, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Okay. Let's move on as quickly as we can here. Let's quickly kind of go through the, the end of these two conference final series, and then we'll get into the finals matchup at the end of the episode. Um, let's start out the East heat Celtics ended in six. You had that cl- much closer than me. I think you had the heat in seven. I had the Celtics did, in seven. Yeah. Interesting f- on this is that the heat had a, 
a negative rating compared over the course of six games because Boston beat them, uh, you know, fairly handily in the two games that they. Yeah, that was that not a won. close six. That 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 felt so like a weird. That, it yeah. felt like a you know series in five like that. It, but yeah. man, that was that was pretty rough. I really wish we got. I was I was rooting hard for the Celtics uh, to pull off that last game uh, because I I've enjoyed this series a lot. It's a, it's mm-hmm. been a very good series. The this the. the you know, I lament continually the, the, the contrast in style that we've lost um, to everyone shoots threes as many times as possible. This was a series that actually had contrast in style in some ways, and that was, it was very interesting to watch how that transpired. Um, I just got done talking about how Doc Rivers is a very good coach who uh, had a very poor coaching series. Um, I think that, that falls to, to Brad Stevens as well. I thought Brad was, was pretty borderline terrible um at stretches in, in this series um i don't know where, where'd you where'd you come down on on the celtics pr- preparation and preparedness uh to handle what miami was throwing at them and the way stevens uh reacted in game yeah it was pretty weird because like you know we we have you know both championed brad stevens for a while and thought he was a great hire and has done a great job since and he hasn't been out coached like that probably ever like yeah maybe nick nurse last year yeah that's Um, probably true no 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 i'm sorry uh i thought sorry i i I conflated two series i thought nick nurse got him two three times during this last series not last season yeah sorry but but i agree with you but it's just you know that's the kind of he's the kind of guy that you don't really you know think about getting out coached like that as much, but it also, I, I don't know if I would say out coached as much, uh, as Spo is just incredible, you know? Yeah. And on top of that, I, I think that there are a lot of great things about the Celtics and their team, but I think that the way that Miami is set up, especially with their leaders is that they, they are much more a run through the wall for their coach type of team. And I'm not saying this isn't a knock on the Celtics, but I think the Celtics are more about let's put the ball on our talent and let's let the talent take over. Whereas the, the, the heat are, mm-hmm. we're going to do what coach Spo says because coach Spo is amazing and let's, let's get this done, you know? And so that's in that, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think Boston is, I goodness. I think Boston was the more talented team. Um, I said all the, this entire playoff stretch, I think they're, they were a guy short and that looked, I mean, I'm not unique in saying that whatsoever, but that looked pretty pretty evident down the stretch of these last few games when they're, I mean, Stevens is trying anything he can to find, you know, shuffling in Enos Cantor and Robert Williams and Grant Williams and just trying to find somebody there, Wanamaker in and out of the lineup, you know, with Hayward still being injured, um, and he clearly wasn't right, you know. Um, they just, they were they were a guy. They were a guy short. I think, but I still think they may have been the more talented team. But but Miami has a, just a ridiculous full team effort, and they've got you know depth is overrated in the playoffs. But but in you know in Game Six, who comes through? Kind of besides Bam, and I just want to I'm going to talk for an hour about Bam. <laughs> I, the guy who is probably the the second most important player for the Heat in Game Six was Iguodala, who was basically unplayable in Game 5 and Game 4. So depth kind of does matter when you've got guys that, that really can have a moment and come through um, the way that, that Iguodala did in, in, in that game. But yeah, I, it kind of mind-boggling to me that, that they couldn't figure out the zone 
um, not for for long stretches. I know, I know that it can be t- especially the way Miami ran it with kind of an inverted zone with with Bam almost at the, kind of at the top of the zone. Um, they did that really well in Game Six. They attacked that very well with, and I think Van Gundy called it out on on the the broadcast about how they were setting more ball screens and because it just jacks up the uh, it jacks up the action of the zone when when you do that. And they ran that very efficiently, but it was like, but where was this in Game Five, and where was it prior? You know, earlier in the mm-hmm. season, this the series when, um, it seemed like they had never seen a zone before. Uh, it was I get being maybe caught off guard by it a little bit in Game One, but by by Game Two, I need adjustments. I need to know how we're going to attack this thing. Yeah, so, and I think that that is one. Like, I don't want to use the bubble as an excuse, but I think that is one aspect where the bubble did affect coaching is that, you know, some like you, you still have your day in between games, but you know, you also have the travel days that gives you extra time. So like, you know, in, in a normal world, we would have a three day break in between like games two and three and games five and six or something, you know, something like yeah. that. And I think that that can play into this of, you know, you want to make sure you give your, t- your team time. You don't want to give them, you know, completely hit them with the head with, with tape and drills and stuff like that. And so I think that can play a factor in that stuff as well. But you're right. Like waiting until game five or six to like actually show adjustments for that stuff is just unacceptable in that situation. Yeah. I also just couldn't figure out the rotation. And that, that's, been a, that's been a struggle for a lot of coaches this playoff series. And I don't know if it's just recency bias or if that really is a bigger thing this year than it has been in the past. But like Grant Williams was very effective against Miami. And I don't know how effective he would have been if you increased his minutes from, you know, 12 minutes to 25 minutes or something like that. But this is, this was such a razor thin series. Uh, when you consider that it if I remember, because good gracious, it, you know, all these games compressed. But game one, the Celtics were ahead by three and then had a chance to close it out before overtime and, and took a, had a bad shot. Game two was the, it was the band block at the rim by, you know, a fingernail. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this game, the Celtics were up. Uh, let's see in my notes real fast. They were up 96, 90 with about nine minutes left. And then they were up a hundred to 98 with six and a half minutes left in the game. And then at two minutes and 19 seconds, it's one sixteen one Oh two Miami. I mean, they just went in a crazier. They're very, my point is they're very, very close games. It's razor thin margins. And if Grant Williams gets, I don't know, five more minutes over the course of those three games rather than playing Canner or, or Robert Williams, then that might be the difference. And I just, it's confounding to me that we, they couldn't figure that out that, that, uh, that Enos cancer is, is on the struggle bus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's up against somebody like Bam and that Robert Williams just doesn't have the defensive discipline to, to handle that. Um, that Little was, things like that. That was one thing that me. I think a lot of Twitter and podcasts were just were just slamming Stevens for, which was, con, you know, con, consistently rolling Cantor out there whenever Robert Williams, who was not great, was was clearly the better play, you know. And so like that's that's just the thing is like sure. it, it seemed like Cantor was out there. And listen, I love Cantor. Like I, you know, I yeah, but. There were he he got played off the court in yeah. in multiple series of this court yeah. this playoffs. It, it happens every year with guys like that. Yeah, I mean, you just can't you can't do it. The other thing, the, the real thing to me that is the 
I, I, I can look at it either way if I'm a Celtics fan. Um, I can say, you know, glass half empty or glass, glass half full. Um, the biggest problem to me with the Celtics, beyond not having a guy, they needed one more guy to go to, was the complete and utter lack of structure to their offense um, when it mattered most. Mm-hmm. That they would run these beautiful plays, they're getting great penetration into the lane and then kicking it out, they're hitting, you know, Fairly open shots because they are getting so much penetration. Um, the ball is moving really well. Kimba's kind of dancing in and out. It's it's really beautiful basketball. And then it gets to like the last six minutes of the game. This happened in game one. It happened in game six. And it, it happened early, other times throughout the course of the series where they just bogged down and went into either Jason Tatum playing hero ball, which is a thing that they really need to, to, to tighten up, or... Uh, this game, especially it was, we don't have a daggum clue against the zone. And so it's, it's ball movement, but it's sort of frantic ball movement without purpose leading to somebody taking a three sort of contested or very contested with, with four seconds left on the shot clock. And that to me, so again, you can look at that either way. You can say, this is the reason we lost and Brad Stevens didn't have good control of this team. And he continually struggled to bring that structure to his team in, in the, the minutes that mattered the most through the course of this. Or you could look at it and say, this is still a very young team. We watched Jason Tatum ascend during this season. So clearly he's not refined yet as that guy, you know, the guy that, that the offense can run through and whatnot. And when they come back next season with a little more, little more run under their belt, hopefully a little more health and or another player to, to kind of run, throw into the rotation, then you start to see... That stru- if that structure just holds and they get a little more offensive rhythm in, in the closing minutes of these games, then that's a team to be reckoned with moving forward that's going to be very difficult to, to, to defeat. And, and, and I, don't, I don't honestly know. I don't know if you have an opinion on that. I don't know where I come down on those two things, but I could see kind of feeling either way on, on how this went down. Yeah, they have a lot of big decisions to make this offseason because – you know, like, I mean, Gordon Hayward alone is a, is a huge decision. So, sure. Sure. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. He's opting in. I think that's, I mean, 30 million, he's not getting $30 million. Yeah. But he, then, he but then the decision though. is, you know, do we use that as a trade piece or do we eat that money? You know, that kind of thing. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, he may opt in, but $30 million trade piece, you know, for a team that needs to create some space is definitely, you know, something you could, you could sure. utilize. So, sure. Um, let's talk, let's save the, we're going to talk heat. Cause I, I don't want to focus just on the Celtics losing. I want to talk about why the heat won, but we'll, we'll, you, we'll do that a little bit here in, in a few minutes when we get to the finals preview to get to that. Let's go Lakers nuggets. Boy. Um, I just thought the nuggets were out of gas. Yeah. And that, that's a, I mean, that's what comes from having to play so many hard playoff games leading into that. I would have liked to have seen what this series, cause look, I'll say this. I was impressed with the nuggets. I thought they, they played Obviously, they played with a ton of heart through the course of the mm-hmm. bubble, and they they were a better team than I think I gave them credit for coming in. Jamal Murray, I think, definitely is somebody who took took his leap um, through the course of of these playoffs, and they were very good. I just I would have liked to have seen what that series could have been without Mason Plumley being a complete moron on that that <laughs> final play in in game two because that I mean. Up 2-0 really makes a big difference in how you can play the rest of the series versus being tied 1-1. And I, I don't know. I, I would have – it would have been really interesting. I think the series was over at that point, and it would have been interesting to see 
what this could have been if the Nuggets had been able to say, "All right, we're we're here. We got them. We're we're in a good spot against this team that that everyone you know favors." And and I think we both predicted Lakers in five, so we got that one right. But yeah, and I don't, I don't have know. you know I don't have a bunch of necessarily comments necessarily other than like yeah you're right. I mean it was it was pretty pretty tough to come in after those two draining series and then play against one of the better sure. defensive teams they played against. You know and. You know, Jamal Murray having someone guard him that can actually guard him, you know, helps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like if I mean, I, I don't I don't want to like discredit what they're doing. But yeah, if you don't go down three one and two series in a row, then, you know, maybe you have the gas to hang with the Lakers. But sure. I mean, because yeah. that's the thing is the Lakers team. And we've said it multiple times, like they're not deep and they're not that great you know, on paper. But mm-hmm. if you don't have the legs to hang with them and they keep beating you up defensively, like you can't do a whole lot with it. And so, sure, you know, it's it's it, we got the Jamal Murray was by no means bad in this series, but, you know, he, sure. he wasn't scoring 50 points a game. And so that makes a right. big difference, you know, right. like and so yeah, like when the you, move for the Lakers was and they couldn't they, they, they were smart in doing it this way, because I, I think we definitely we can definitely say now this has been sort of hanging out there this season and maybe even some of, of last season, I, I think we definitely saw the age on LeBron mm-hmm. through the course of this series. Um, and now again, he was, especially in game five, he was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm ending this right now. We're, mm-hmm. we're going to be done. Um, and so it's not like I'm like, well, he's real close to retirement or something like that, but you definitely could he can tell. still, he can still do that. He can still oh end a series. Yeah. You know, yeah. at the age of 30, he's about to be 36 in December. He can still end mm-hmm. a series. And, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, but also he has to, ba- you know, kind of take off more than he usually would have, sure. you know, and that's sure. that's one thing as well. So, yeah, the move was to put him on Jamal Murray. Yeah. Uh, in stretches and in those stretches. I, you know, shut down Murray is, is a tough, nobody shuts anybody down anymore in the NBA. It's just, it's almost impossible with the way the rules work and the refs call and everything, but he, he got to Murray and that's, I mean, what are you going to do? It's, that's not, a, that's not a knock on Jamal Murray. That's LeBron freaking James. You know, what do you, you know, what, what are you going to do when, when he, and it's not like they had other options to go to. They really missed Will Barton in this series mm-hmm. so badly. And Will Barton's a guy that kind of frustrates me at times, and I think he he has a little bit of that Lou Will slash Jamal Crawford thing where it's like, yeah, he's going to win you some games, but he's definitely going to lose you some games too. But against this team who had a – especially, once again, once they went to LeBron on, on Jamal and had somebody in Dwight Howard who frustrated Jokic, they really needed somebody that they could kick the ball to and have him create offense because they were relying on Jeremy Grant to do that, who was fantastic in this series, but that is super duper not Jeremy Grant's mm-hmm. game. Um, I was super impressed by by Grant, and I thought, I thought coming in, that's not. I mean, coming into this this playoffs run, really, I would have told you that guy shouldn't almost never be asked to generate offense on his own or play make for himself or whatever. But coming out of this, I was like, well, I mean, that could be uh that could be some, I mean, as the fourth creator on, on the floor, maybe like that's, but as a third, the third guy, he was, he was a little bit outclassed mm-hmm. on that front. Yeah. Um, agreed. That's just, that's just tough. And then, you know, I mean, <laughs> Lakers got a lot of calls in game four. I'm not putting that on the refs, but it was, 
it's another one of those that you're just like, gosh, it would have been that could have been a very interesting series if if a couple of calls in game four and Mason Plumley not farting all over the place <laughs> in game two. It could have been an interesting series. You know, but here's the thing. Like, listen, I, I, I will complain about the refs as much as the other guy, but, but like, that's going to happen in the oh, NBA. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And so, sure. like, you have to be able to and, – and there's a good chance that that is going to happen for you if you stay in the yeah. series, too. Sure. And so it's sure. just – like, but also, when you play against LeBron, you have to be prepared for that. Like, you have to know that this is going to happen and we have to buck – you know, we have to put our head down and – play through that and i don't think that they did i think i th- i think it, like great you know playoffs for them they were just gassed i mean like like you yeah. know we like let's let's bring a little hockey in here like we you know we just as a dfw like cared about hockey for about a week because <laughs> the dallas stars were in the stanley cup and as i'm watching it and I, I used to watch a lot of hockey used to play hockey like i i understand it they were they were done by yeah. game f- five, four and five, they were done, and it's just because they had so many tense series up up until yeah. the Stanley Cup, and I think that the the Nuggets are in the same boat. They just, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's hard mm-hmm. to maintain that kind of play, and again, especially in an every other day bubble environment. And so sure. it's just that's so yeah. you know, tip my cap to them. We were talking about Mike Malone getting fired, you know. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of weeks ago and so like uh, no good for them for turning it around and sure. a lot of people on in nba twitter are talking about how they might be the next team to take the take the reins you know and there's other teams sure. i think that have a, that, that will have a say with that and in, including mm-hmm. our own mavericks but you know yeah. if they figure out how to get a couple of pieces to go with their team they could be a force to be reckoned with for a cup for a lot of years mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree it's it's a i'm interested to see where the nuggets go from here i I'm, I'm, and I'm interested to see how how Jamal Murray translates to a full season after doing this in the playoffs, because um, that's always been my biggest knock on him is that he's he's just wildly inconsistent, and sometimes that's awesome when he's on fire, but but there's always a a step back later. So we'll you know we'll see how that translates to a full season. Um, LeBron was incredible. AD was great in the moments where the Lakers needed him to be great, and and then was you know good enough uh in the other moments and the lakers perpetually had somebody step up enough to give them that sort of third option or or you know kcp was pretty good in this series and and other guys like that but i mean lebron was lebron was unreal in game five like that was one of his i know that i'm saying this about somebody who has dozens and hundreds of incredible performances in the playoffs uh but that was one of the more impressive ones mm-hmm. for me was was game five because he just had a i am ending this sort of mentality and it was which it was is always to awesome to watch oh like, yeah whether you're yeah. a lebron hater or not that dude when he turns it on there's only one person in my maybe two people in my watching career that have have a better you know gear than that and so sure. it's just yeah it's so great so let's transition into the finals here. Um, I got a little, a, a short, hopefully a quick game for you here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I went through the history of the NBA. Okay. Uh, which did you make a spreadsheet? To, <laughs> I did not make a spreadsheet, but I did. I did make a document. Disappointed. Uh, gosh. I know. I know. I didn't have time to do a spreadsheet. I was trying to. I was, I was doing this while my kid was at swim lessons today. So, it's uh, it, it was tough. The first NBA finals was held in 1947. Okay, so over the course of that, however many years it is, which is what seventy, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't do math. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> 73 years of, of NBA history. Um, we're going to go through all of the NBA Finals teams here. I want you to guess very quickly. I'm going to give you a couple. The Capitals, the <laughs> Washington Capitals, and the Chicago Stags both played in the NBA Finals in the first five or six years of the NBA. Neither of them are a team anymore. And I don't mean like... The well, Syracuse the Capitals Nationals. are a hockey team now. So <laughs> I know, I know, right? They haven't made they it to the NBA Finals in a while, but Alex Ovechkin <laughs> can obviously can it could happen, basketball. Man. It could happen. <laughs> That's two um, hockey references, by the way, Matt. So no, what's what's happening? Um, so those teams do not exist anymore, and not in the way that like the, the Syracuse Nationals became the Philadelphia 76ers. Like they genuine, they they are defunct teams. They do not exist anymore. Of the so the, that's two of the finals appearances. There are six teams that have never made an NBA Finals. Can you name those six teams? Oh, my gosh. Um, the Hornets. Yep. Are we counting the Pelicans? Yep. Okay, so Hornets, Pelicans, mm-hmm. um, six teams. Uh, gosh, I should be able to know this. Hang on, let me pull up. They are, the... all, they are all in the Western Conference. Oh. Except for the, the Hornets. That's that because the Lakers, in. Spurs, and everybody else have <laughs> taken up the last 30 years, uh-huh. so... Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Hornets, Pelicans, um, Kings. Nope. No, that's the right. Kings no, have a finals right. appearance that it, when they were in the, Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, I think it's actually as the Rochester Royals. Uh, oh, okay. Never where, mind. I was wrong started. with that too. Yeah. Okay. So, the, but no, they were they were in Cincinnati as well. So yeah, I knew that. I just okay. So uh, <laughs> Minnesota. Uh huh. Okay. Yep. So, because the KG years, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Minnesota. We talked about two of the other teams significantly here. Oh yeah, Minnesota. the Clippers, duh. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. And the Nuggets. Yep. Correct. You okay. got one team left. Expansion Are we counting? Is, is the Thunder counting as the Sonics? Nope. Nope. And they went to the finals anyway. Duh. They did. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, the Grizzlies. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There are one, two, three teams that have only made one finals appearance. You already named one of them, the Kings slash Royals, okay, which should not count, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that is I'm trying to find the year on here, but like we're talking somewhere in the uh, very early 60s is when they went to the, the Royals. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, the Royals. Yeah. Um, and they've moved seven times. That shouldn't count. Yeah, right. Okay. Two, there are three, uh, two teams, two other teams that have only made one finals appearance. Uh, Trailblazers? Nope. They made more than one? They did. They did, oh, yeah. Okay. The, um, the Raptors? Yep. One more team, Eastern Conference. Man. This is uh, thrilling radio, I'm sure. Uh, the Hawks. Incorrect. I'm going to give you this one. It's the Pacers. Oh, okay. the Pacers have only made one finals appearance. There are one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have made two finals appearances in their franchise history. Six teams. Okay. Uh, the Mavs. Yep. The Rockets. Incorrect. Rockets have more than you think. Yeah, because they, they made the finals a couple year, a couple times in these late 70s. Oh, early I would have never guessed that. They, I put them out of my mind as much as possible. <laughs> Come here for the Rockets hate. Um, okay. Uh, the Jazz. Correct. Yes. And the, no, not the Nets, because they had the yep, Dr. The J. Nets. Oh, the Nets? Yep. yep. They didn't make it with the Dr. J years? 
No, no. I guess maybe it was in Philly by the time the Nets made it to okay. uh, made it to the NBA. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so how many do I have left? Three more in this category. Okay. Um, okay, I've already said the Hawks. Would that would they be one of these teams? They are not. They are later. They are in the group of four. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, early early St. Louis Hawks with Bob Pettit was a <laughs> gross. Was a run, baby. <laughs> 57, 58, 60, and 61 for the Hawks. Okay, what about that, the Bucks? The, the Bucks, two times, correct, okay. yes. And then two more teams. One of them made the finals uh, within the last decade-ish, and then uh, the other, it has not been to the finals since the, the early 90s. So Thunder, Sonics is probably one of them, the right? Sonics have four. Oh, uh, The gosh. Sonics have three. The Thunder have one. So having to combine those two as required okay. by law and NBA legend, uh, th- they have four appearances okay. between them. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm tapped out. I don't even know who I've okay. said at this point. <laughs> Magic. Oh, okay, in, yeah. Uh, with, with Shaq and then the Dwight Howard year and the Suns. The Suns have two. The Charles Barkley oh, year yeah, and got the those. Gar Hurd Celtics year. You name the Blazers, they have three. You name the Sonics, the Rockets, the Hawks. As uh, those are all teams that have gone to four finals, the Bullets slash Wizards had four. Actually, I'm not even going to put the Wizards because it's all Bullets. The Bullets had four finals appearances um, in the early days of of the NBA. We are now to the big groups. Okay, um, there are two teams that have made the finals now five times, and they are all very recent. Do you care to guess at those teams? I'm sure the Spurs are one of those. Spurs are actually in the group oh, they have of six. More. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Five times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Warriors. Nope. Warriors are going to come up a little man. later. Okay. Yeah. I don't know, man. Cavs and Heat. Five times okay. each. You got the Spurs at six. There's another team that made, has made six appearances. Okay. Um... Six appearances. Yeah, they won six times, spread out over eight years. Six times spread out over eight years? (laughs) Because somebody was retired for two years. Oh, duh. Okay, the Bulls. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you have me overthinking now because I've said so many teams. I'm like, who have I I not said? (laughs) Uh, I'll give you the top top six here, okay? So uh, the Pistons have seven appearances over the – and they are way spread out because they went to the finals as far back as 1955 and then as recently as what 2006 i think was the last year they played the spurs something like that 2005 um the knicks have eight finals appearances which is hilarious knowing what we know about the knicks the sixers spread out across different uh cities they started as the syracuse nationals (laughs) they have nine attempts or nine uh, nine appearances the warriors have 11 and then, of course, we get to the top. The Celtics have 21 appearances. And the dadgum Los Angeles Lakers now have their 32nd appearance. Yeah, <laughs> I knew that number because someone said it the other day, and I, and I like almost spit out my drink. I was like, what? the number is so high. It is so high. It's, the, it's like the Yankees, man. Like it's just It should not be that high, but it is. And it's not even Can like I? they don't even have the Yankees years of like when there was no other teams except for like the, the yeah. brown yeah. stockings, you know? And so like yeah. that's, that's the crazy part about that too is that it really is legitimately just because they have been that good for that short of amount of time. What's crazy, so this is why I bring this up. Can I just confess to you that I, I have never been somebody who really hates the Lakers? Like, it's never been 
I guess it's just because we had we you know I had the Spurs to deal with when you know when I was a little bit younger, and there's just been other teams that mm-hmm. pop up. Also, probably because in our formative years of watching basketball, the Lakers went from not very good in the post Magic James Worthy era to like a really fun team mm-hmm. with Nick Van Exel and, oh, and, yeah. and Eddie Jones and Sed Sabalos and all those guys. Um, and even when Shaq and Kobe, I think most of my hate was just directed at Kobe. I, yeah. don't, I don't know that I ever really hated that team. I hate the Lakers now. <laughs> I hate them right now. And it's, it's partly because this is a wholly unlikable roster to us, per, to me personally. The, the people that are on this roster that other, peop, other fans of other teams may not have that much angst against Danny Green. And all I see is... Dallas Mavericks killer Danny Green when he's out there on the court. Mm-hmm. People who are not Mavericks fans or perhaps Celtics fans may not have as much dislike for Rajon Rondo um, as much as I do. Uh, and there are other there with are other good reason that too, though. That's category. the thing. Is like, oh, it's for sure. Yeah, for sure. But I look at that roster, and you know, of the two of us, you you like LeBron more than I do. I try really hard to. Only to appreciate what LeBron. I, I always, I'm very good at appreciating LeBron on court, but is so much of the the subtweeting and the the passive aggressiveness drives me a little bit crazy. But I'm I guess I'm fine with 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 LeBron overall. I don't like anybody else on this roster like yeah. at all at all at all, and I borderline hate a lot of the players on this on this. This team. I don't know. This is probably the most unlikable Rit Lakers roster in years. <laughs> you know, because because that's the thing is like. I'm probably with you. Like, I don't hate the Lakers like I hate the Yankees when I actually cared about baseball because, sure, like, sure. in you know, baseball it presents a different problem because, like, it, for years it was we have the most money and so we just buy everybody. And basketball doesn't have that. We can't have that in basketball. You know, we can have super teams, but like, it, yeah. you still have to work your way around the cap and all that stuff. Um, this is easily the most unlikable Lakers team probably ever. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. I think this is probably the most unlikable ever in the sense sure. that it's just, you know, it's LeBron is the only thing in my opinion that's redeemable about this team. Even if you don't dislike the players as much as we do, but that's also why people like are so crazy about Alex Caruso because he's fun <sighs> and he's, you know, you know, a guy that should not be as, as good as he is not saying he's great, but he's, but he has moments where he's fun to watch, you know, it, but that's because he's surrounded by the most unlikable players ever. <laughs> like, and so it's, it. but here's, I hate it. here's the thing. Uh. I, you, I think in, I, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to call you out in the middle of a podcast, but I think you put, bring it. Let's do You it. put Let's a go. lot of, you put a lot of hate towards LeBron that I, cause I, he just does things that are kind of triggers for you, you know? Yeah. And no, there's no question. And, about and that. so yeah. I, I think yeah. it's some of it's unfair, but I also, okay. I get it. You know, I, I, I on the other hand, really love and appreciate watching LeBron play. Can I, could I do without some of the passive aggressive stuff? Absolutely. I could, but yeah. you know, I can't also ignore the fact that he does do a lot of great things for, you know, for a guy at his stature, there's mm-hmm. a lot of pl- players that would be horrible human beings. And, Oh, for sure. And he, sure. and he is yeah. not, and, and I can appreciate that, but he is that he does yeah. do a lot of the things that are annoying. I, I agree. Sure. But so in all that to say, 
I, I like LeBron still. I'm still pu- pulling for LeBron in some respects, but this team is so unlikable. And I've lost, I lost all of respect for Anthony Davis last year, you know, in the year before yeah, that. And so, yeah. like, like it, I'm not ready to, to do the redemption. Thing no, and him, I have no desire to give him that either. Like, they're the only, okay, so I, I, I pulled the roster up just to kind of like see before I trash <laughs> sure. them. Is there anybody on here that I, you know, I mean, like, I like Avery Bradley. But he doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah, he's not even. Danny there, Green, so. our hatred towards him is more just because he kills us. But by all, oh, for sure. By all yeah. accounts, he's a good dude. Whatever. Yeah. In Ta- Talon Horton Tucker loved him when he played. <laughs> sure. Loved him when right. he played in the Big Twelve. Was really high on him and coming out of the draft. Yeah. Everyone else in this team is a nightmare. <laughs> like a personal. Like if I was in the same room with him, I don't care uh-huh. that they're a millionaire and a basketball player. I would leave the room. Like I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want their autograph. I don't care if yeah. they're offering me all f- bunch of free swag or courtside seats. I would leave the room. Yeah, like because I don't want yeah. anybody to ever be like, "Hey man, how did you get courtside seats to this mass game?" Oh, Rajon Rana gave it to me, and then get punched right. in the face. You know, like I like. <laughs> <laughs> there are two people here that 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 would get that reaction from, and he's yeah. definitely one of them. Maybe three if you count Lamar Odom, you know. Oh and, my gosh! But yeah, like the Lakers were always fun. They were always like like magic. They went from Magic Johnson, yeah, Showtime Lakers, yeah, yeah, Showtime totally. Lakers, from Magic Johnson to like like you said, we 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 are both huge Nick Van Exel fans, and that and I started liking Nick Van Exel when he played for the Lakers, so that was fun. And even sure. like at the height of the of the craziness of the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Like, even if you hated them, you could still appreciate what they were doing. And, like, you could still appreciate Kobe, you know, in those years. Now, he kind of got, you know, off the rails in his later years. But, you know, before he kind of went through his redemption tour. But mm-hmm. I just, like, they were always, there was always something that was fun about them. And this year, it's basically LeBron. That's basically it. Because every other person is a, is an, you know, just... I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to say awful well, human beings. I don't really know them, but <laughs> but I mean, what's funny to, or weird to me is like I haven't spent this whole season or or this whole bubble just just you know ruminating on how much I hate this current Lakers roster. It hasn't consumed that much of my my brain space until they hit the finals. Until they you know they were going to the finals, and until. Lakers Twitter came out of the woodworks <laughs> yeah. and starts talking about how it's been such Lakers. a difficult decade and we haven't been to the finals in almost 10 years. Yeah. And, You've and been all to this 31. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. And so much, so much like, see, this is what, you know, this is Palinka built a team and Vogel's been all this sort of stuff. And I just, it drives me insane because yeah, you're right. All it comes down to is, you happen to be geographically located in a place that a lot of athletes and young celebrities would like to live. That is literally Mm -hmm. the only thing at this point. That is the only reason LeBron is there. He is the only reason that Anthony Davis is there, is that you are in Los Angeles. That is it. Mm -hmm. And the legacy of it and the Magic years and the Kareem years and the Jerry West years and all these other things fine whatever it means nothing for right now and so i don't know like, I, I do think it still means something I, in some respects i okay you're probably right i'm being I, okay here's my here's my argument is that i do think that the lakers still holds that it still means something to put on a lakers jersey because of who's put on the lakers jersey because in the location but you're right location is prime because but here's the flip side of that people don't want to play in new york 
They don't want to play for yeah. the Knicks. No, because that's true. Totally. In New York would be a prime location as well. But because there hasn't been anybody there that has carried the legacy like the Lakers have had. I know they've been bad for, you know, seven, eight years. But even when they were, at, yeah, they were you're, bad. You're right. And so, you're like, right. I do I think they're... I walk back my, my angst. But, but yeah. no, but you're right. It, it is a... There is a, like, if LeBron didn't want to make Space Jam 2, would he would he sign with him? Probably not, you know, because that, yeah. I don't think that matters to LeBron. And it, is, it certainly doesn't matter to Anthony Davis, you know, in the sense mm-hmm. of he just wanted to go to L.A. and play with LeBron, you know. And so that's that's the thing is, like, don't don't act like Polinka made the team. The team that Polinka made is all in New Orleans right now. <laughs> and so, like, sure. the, the, Polinka made the New Orleans the next, you know, one, maybe one of the next up-and-coming teams, like, because of the draft picks sure. they got, so... Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it just, it just drives me nuts. The, 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 I listened to, I shouldn't even get, I listened to Ramona Shelburne with Zach Lowe. Well, and you can't I can't listen to anything about her with the Lakers. <laughs> I can't stand it. I can't yeah. stand the entitlement that comes with not only being a Lakers fan, but being a Lakers beat reporter with, with covering the Lakers. It's like you, you get in there and you, and you just, you drink that Kool-Aid and then it's just it just drapes your everything you do and everything you say. Some of the stuff that she said, and I think she's a she's a very good writer. I think she's a fine analyst. I, I get it. She's she's an LA based. This is sort of her job is to is to almost be like an arm of the 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 Lakers publicity hype machine. And so I mean I I guess I don't hold it against her so much but it was it's the team version of brian windhorst <laughs> it's what it is so it just it, windhorst it really... and windhorst and shelburne are going to come together and make the megazord of you know of <laughs> beat riders that just want to you know I just, pump that i could not the, the entitlement that came with it, it just it 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 made me so angry. I, and, and, and she's not alone in that. I, I should, I don't know if I should, maybe I shouldn't call her out specifically. There's plenty of other, uh, LA based reporters and journalists that fall into that same category where it's just like, there's this sense of like, well, we're the Lakers. So we deserve these things. And it makes me insane. And I hate it. I hate it so much. And to have, I don't know the number of people. Oh, this has been such a difficult decade. Please, please just, Oh goodness! Um, and then the reverse of that is the Heat, who are immensely likable, which is such a weird thing given the time that in the '90s that I spent as a Knicks fan hating the Heat, and then the '06 through uh, really through the entire Dwayne Wade era uh, in in Miami, where that was like the number one team I hated the most in the entire world, and now it's the complete inverse of that. This team rules. It's such a fun team to watch. I don't know that there's a single player that that actually plays minutes for the Heat that I don't actively enjoy watching play basketball and really uh, root for. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just such a weird place to be in for me personally. Of wow, I really hate this team and I really like this team. And if I would have told that to myself uh, at 13 years old, that that 13 year old would have would have punched me in the nuts. Like it's just such a weird such a weird phenomenon at this point. Yeah, I I still. I still have trouble. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I do. It's like, I was legitimately like, I don't, I, I shouldn't say this, but I, I was legitimately in a dark place after 2006. <laughs> and I know you were too. And I, you know, and that was, yeah, same. I, no I, I was still a young college kid and I was like, you know, devastated. And it's, it's really hard to feel that way about a team that I have just, 
hated for years. But you're right. They're a blast. I think I even tweeted something out like that night of, you know, like, I guess I, I need to root for the heat now and like a picture, you know, or let's go heat. And then I did a gif of like Schmidt from New Girl, like dry heaving, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's legitimately how I feel. I feel like this is this is like I need to take a shower after I say let's go heat, you know, but but you're right. They're a blast in in a weird way. And again, this is going to be I'm going to have to go, you know, cleanse myself after this. But in a weird way, like I'd be happy to see LeBron win again another one and i'd be happy to see the heat win because they're a blast i mean like this is kind of a like again i I said a couple weeks ago just not the rockets like i don't really at this point i don't care just not the rockets and so yeah 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 i'm with you it's just it's such a weird it's just a weird experience but i love everything about the heat i love i genuinely i really dig every player on that team bam that game six for bam was like (laughs) i mean I thought that I had seen everything that we were going to, not that he wasn't, that he wouldn't improve or get better, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, but I, I didn't think that, that in this year, at least that we would see him for real, take over a game with, with his offense, the way he did down the street. I didn't think he was capable of no, that. And that's coming from somebody that I'm a huge fan mm-hmm. of, of what he does. I just, he was like, he was taking dudes off the dribble. He was setting them up with these ridiculous – he made two or three ridiculous passes in the last four minutes that were like, well, that's like maybe not Luka LeBron level vision on the court, but the tier right under that type that we're talking – I mean, that's, it's, it, was, it was bonkers to watch him, to watch him play. And, and Hero and Robinson just running off screens and, and doing the things that they do are it's it's fascinating to watch them. I, I I love the way and and then the whole. I mean, I'm really interested to see. We're not going to see it on the court, obviously, because Pat Riley's 90 years old. He can't get out there. But the the Riley Lebron thing and how that was not left on good terms on either side. And apparently, Riley has tried to sort of uh, you know mend the fences with with him and Lebron, and Lebron just wants nothing to do with it. That makes for you don't think that you don't think Spo wants to beat LeBron. You know what I mean? Like there, it's, but flip it's side, going to be, we could see angst LeBron for f- five we or could. six games. We absolutely and that could. could. That yeah. could be just as incredible. So, yeah. Oh no, no question, man. No question. It's it's uh, there's a lot of of external motivations here um, beyond just I, we would like to win an NBA championship. There's there's a lot at play, and I'm. I'm fascinated to see how how it how it comes out how it, okay. how it plays. So l- let's say, I'm about to say we've talked a lot about this. So let's just go ahead and like, what is your prediction? Let's go ahead and put it on record because we will both be wrong. But let's put it on record <laughs> and see what do you what yeah, do you got? We're terrible at predictions. So I don't know. I was I've been doing pretty. I'm good. I'm terrible at predictions. I've been doing yeah. pretty good this off season or this okay. playoffs whatever. I definitely proved that I should not go into sports betting um, over the course of of these these playoff series. I think it was, uh, you know, I think it was the mismatch with with KOC and Vernon this this week that they said essentially, I think the Lakers have the first and second best players, and then the Heat have the next six mm-hmm. best players, probably something something to that effect. I think that's fair. Um, I think this te- this is not this is unlike any team that the Lakers have played thus far. The uh, this is a. The Heat are a significantly better team than to me than the Nuggets or the Blazers or or the Rockets, and they, I think they are capable of. So one of the things that that the, the we saw through the season, the Lakers' offense was not very good. Um, in the bubble, it was terrible coming into the playoffs. 
they played three teams that are not good at playing defense whatsoever. And I know the Rockets had a great defensive rating in the bubble and through the first round of the series, but we, I think we, we both said this is, this is smoke and mirrors. This mm-hmm. is not going to happen once, once they come up against an actual good team. Blazers are terrible defense. I think the Nuggets tried hard on defense, but they just weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't capable of doing it. Miami can defend. And I don't care what the what the stats say or what the ratings are or whatever. Miami can really get after you and defend, and they can defend you in multiple ways. And offensively, they can score in multiple ways. It's they're not dependent on one thing to go right in order to to beat them. Which I think probably all three of these teams that the that that the uh, that the Lakers have played up to this point fall into the Lake the the Nuggets had to have the Murray Jokic pick and roll work in order for them to be able to score enough points to, to stay ahead of the Lakers with the defense that they had. I don't think that the heat fall into that category. I think that they can do those things. If LeBron just goes supernova LeBron, like the, the, the way that LeBron has been capable of playing in say, even the last two finals that mm-hmm. he was in with the Cavs, I don't know that there's anything that they can do to stop him. And if he goes like that, then it doesn't, it may not matter whatsoever seeing how he has aged a little bit over the course of, of this season and just seeing that he may, he is definitely capable of having some games where he's, he goes supernova and some halves where he goes supernova and maybe he gets enough of those that that's all that, that really matters. But I don't think he's capable at this point of doing what he did in like the 2017 finals or 2018 finals when he just, you know, was the only player on that Cavs team who was, who was there. I think it was like 40 points a game in that series. I don't know if he can do that. I've gone on and on and on uh, because it's a difficult region. I'm taking heat in six. Boom. What about that? What do you, what do you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think the heat have the better all around team. Kind of like you said, the Lakers are the top two players and the heat have the next six probably. Um, I think Bam is going to have to play on the perimeter more than he's had to this whole series. I mean, sorry, this whole playoffs, which I think is going to be a problem for the Heat. Um, The Heat have, like, zero finals experience on the team, whereas the Lakers have a lot with Howard and Rondo and um, there's other players that I'm not thinking of. But, like, they have a a lot of finals experience on their team. And I think that LeBron showed that he can – still flip the switch and be the best player on the floor and now he's kind of even thrown in the I can be one of the top defenders and one of the top facilitators mm-hmm. I, yeah. I'm not picking against LeBron man I think You're probably right I think probably Lakers smart. I think I Lakers in six for sure I think Lakers Lakers in six is what I, is what I'm saying I think that I think everybody's tired and I think LeBron is tired and yes, he is about to be 36, but I think that he has still got one more, maybe even more than that. But I, I, I still think he's got it in him to turn a series, a finals mm-hmm. because it, because in this case, like, I mean, I, I understand the Nuggets series, like he had to wait cause he wasn't sure, you know, and he had the finals at the play. There's no more games after this. And yeah, I think yeah. that that plays a factor. I think the adrenaline will definitely play a factor. I just, I don't think you can, you can take away from finals experience and defense that they play in LeBron. I just, I don't think you can beat that. And now that said, that's true. I'm not going to be shocked if the heat pull an upset and win this series. And, and like they very well could do that because they have a very well coached team. They have a team that when they are clicking on all cylinders are very hard to beat. It's just, man, like, I don't care that he's three and nine in finals. He also went up against the warriors a lot of times. And so, 
it's it's really hard to pick against a guy that can take over a whole series literally by himself. I think LeBron has been. You saw that in Game Five, and there were other other points through the the, the playoffs that we've seen it too. And I expect to see it more in this series. I think he is playing with the energy of a guy who knows that that there are these opportunities are 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 fewer and far farther between mm-hmm. now. Um, that he knows, you know, we always used to talk about Kobe, how it felt like he knew how many dunks he had left in his body and he was sort of doling them out over the course of the last five years of, of his, of his career. Mm-hmm. That's kind of similar to, to how I feel with LeBron. I think LeBron knows how many reps he's got left and how many, and this might be his yeah, last, the Lakers maybe, you know, yeah. this might be his last finals where he is the guy that can turn the series, you know, I agree. Yeah. And he, yeah. he, he might have to turn into the, old leading veteran after this year. And so like, I just, like I said, like it, like you, you said yourself, your pick might be dumb and my pick might be dumb too. But I, I, I just don't like it's, you know, unless they're going up against Steph Curry and and Clay Thompson, like the, you know, history says, you Mm -hmm. know, you need to go, you need to roll with LeBron. So. Yeah. The other thing is too, like, I think, I mean, I hate picking against LeBron in this, this setting. I feel stupid for doing that. They have multiple guys. They can throw at him. I think what the Lakers have on defense, it's not beyond. I mean, they obviously they have Anthony Davis who finished what second in defensive player of the year this year. And LeBron who, who was very good defensively this year after kind of taking defense off for the last half decade or so. He was very, very good on defense. They have two, two great individual defenders and then everybody else on that roster. It's not that they're that good defensively, including Caruso, including Rondo, including KCP or, or Dwight Howard, whoever it's the just it's just defensive discipline. They are very well structured defensively, and they they stay they go where they need to go. They stay where they need to stay, and they do things on a, a very intellectual level uh, defensively from a team defense standpoint. Mm-hmm. This might be a series where you need some guys who can individually get down and dirty on defense and and do some work because the Spo. Spo is going to run these guys all over the place. He's going to put his team in a, in a position to win um, and score in different different ways. And you've got guys all over the court who have varying styles. I just mean it's going to be a little tougher. It's going to be a much tougher setup defensively for for the Lakers than it was against uh, the Nuggets or the or the Rockets or whatever. And I wonder if we start to see the cracks in that team defensive philosophy when it calls for somebody's got to got to stay with Duncan Robinson at all times when he's running off of these screens and, and relocating himself really well. And someone's got to keep Goran Dragic out of the lane and, you know, all the, all these sorts of things. I'm also real interested to see, I don't think Dwight can play uh, against Bam the way that he could against Jokic. And that could, that could be a crucial part of how this this series plays out because it, if, if they have to go small quote unquote and put Anthony Davis on BAM is there a hole that opens up somewhere else in the defense um, based on having to do this or are they able to get away with Dwight Howard's on on BAM and then therefore Davis can can guard Jay Crowder or even maybe Jimmy Butler and just dare him to shoot and then kind of play free safety back at the rim you know mm-hmm. um so we'll see. Um, I'm I'm very pumped for this series. I think it should be a fun one. I hope it goes six or seven games. If for no other reason than it's the last basketball we're going to have until 
who even knows. Um, but we'll yeah, don't we'll get me wrong. Like, I'd love for the see this go seven games and five yeah, overtimes yeah, in totally. the seventh game. You know, <laughs> yeah, it'll be awesome. Let's. I, I think it should. I really do think this should be a good series. This is going to be. And there's just so many motivations on the line too that it's it's going to be. It's going to be real interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Uh, let's get out of here. Thank you so much for listening, listeners. We greatly appreciate you being here. If you like what you heard, uh, again, thank you. Number and uh, but also tell a friend. Bring your basketball buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us a great deal to carve out uh, market in this very cramped podcasting space. Also, leave us a five star rating and a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. Stay tuned. Later in the week, we are coming back with our, what is this? What will this be? Our third, third, fourth episode of, third. of draft coverage? Okay. Our third standalone episode breaking down uh, prospects as we head towards the NBA draft on November 18th. We will be talking about James Wiseman from Memphis. That'll come out on Thursday or Friday. So be looking for that in your podcast feeds. Until then, stay hard, Rodney Rogers.